Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, all about the messages we hear each and every week. I am your host, Nathan Story, and joining me this week is Aaron Gibson. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Nathan. Just the two of us today. Just the two of us today. It's been a lot of that in the last few weeks, but it's been nice. Uh, when I was on the show with C's one-on-one, I told them this is where the hard-hitting questions, the one-on-one interview happens, uh, but that's not really the case at all. <laughs> that's right. Does, does that mean, I, is, is that like, who, is, is, who was the, the journalist that always made everyone cry? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Yeah, there was there was a famous journalist, uh, and one of our listeners will have to text us and tell us. I know that anyway. That you know, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Was sort of became this little trope of if you were interviewed by this journalist. So that's funny. So Nathan, today I'm not going to cry. Okay, good. Well, I was thinking Diane Sawyer too. I think she had a a, a reputation of perhaps being getting to like family drama and emotional stuff in her interviews too. Yeah, <laughs> we will so have to do fun. that. That's so funny. <laughs> well, we. Uh, we just celebrated Easter. We're coming off of an East, a wonderful Easter weekend where we got to celebrate with our, our church family under a tent out at our normal meeting space, which was so cool. Yeah. And the theme of our Easter message was look up and it was, it, it fit kind of in the, um, the whole story series we've been doing, but we also of course jumped ahead to Jesus a little bit because it'd be weird to not talk about this on Easter. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and yeah, you, you gave us a message perhaps talking about one of the strangest moments from Moses's life and this idea of the snake being a God telling Moses to put a snake on a stick. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that message. I got some questions for you. Um, are you ready, ready to do that? Ready to dissect it? I am all about some snakes today. Let's get after it. This is great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, my first comment as I was going back over the sermon just this afternoon and listening to it again, it was a great sermon. I really enjoyed this one, Aaron. And, um, I was struck on Sunday as I was listening to it for the first time about your story with your basketball coach. And it really <laughs> reminded, this is my brain, everything reminds me of something, but it really reminded me of this classic scene from a classic play. Can't necessarily recommend it. I think it's a pretty intense play with a lot of language and that kind of thing. But do you know the coffee is for closers scene from Glen Gary, Glenn Ross? I I do remember that scene. They're all it's like five guys all in suits and they're sitting in, in an office together, yes. right? Isn't that what? Yes. Yeah. And so there's a film version that Alec Baldwin's in, and he goes on this tirade against all of his other. They're all salesmen, and he he tells this one guy he can't get coffee because he hasn't closed a sale. <laughs> and your awful. story of your basketball coach just I could not help but think of your poor. Was it middle school? I guess a middle yep, school basketball. Yep. Poor middle school uh, companions and, and fellow teammates, like with this this Alec Baldwin esque uh, <laughs> coach who said, "Shooters or shooting is for for people who could dribble looking up." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I hopefully I it was a little that. more tender than than Alec Baldwin is in that scene. No, oh, there was nothing tender about Coach White. Uh, okay, okay. I, well, know, this... there you go. Uh, for the for those who haven't heard the message yet, uh, this was an o- the opener uh, for the message, and it was uh, loads of fun for me to tell the story because Coach White really, I mean, I joke in the sermon about him being you know hundred plus years old. Yeah. He really was old by the time I got to him, and uh, like he had coached some of my friends' dads, right? Like that kind wow. of situation, you know. Okay. And and true story, this I didn't. This is a nuance I didn't have time to do it. But the first day we didn't even get to touch a basketball. 
Yeah. The first day we just ran up and down the court. Now, mind you, in sixth grade, there were over a hundred kids who were trying out for the team. And oh there were goodness. only spots for, I don't know, 12 or 15 or something like that. Yeah. And this was not an everybody gets a trophy era of sports. Like mm-hmm. this was, if you didn't make a cut, you didn't make a cut. So the first day we just ran until like half the boys couldn't run anymore. And they didn't come back the next day for tryouts. Yeah. <laughs> So I passed the running, but, uh, you know, I made the team. I don't know why I, I was, I was definitely third string on that team for sure. But, uh, but yeah, coach white made a huge impression on me. That's so interesting. And and it seems like one of those classic sports movie moments, right? Where he's just trying to weed out the kids that are really not even the best players, but the ones that are serious about, about playing. Right. Really yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So the whole point of that story was to, to kind of set up the theme for the day, right? This idea of looking up. And the first of three scenes that you mention is when uh, uh, God tells Moses to to make this golden snake on a staff. And you asked this question uh, in the sermon, and I thought I'd ask it of us today, but, but why a snake? Why in the world was a snake the symbol that we were supposed to, uh, or that the Israelites at the time were supposed to, to create and look to? What, what was it about the snake that was just something that, of all people, God would, would put on, uh, on their minds or their hearts to make? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, to just to to bridge the intro to the point. Uh, so, yeah, Coach White's famous line was uh, before you can learn to shoot, you have to learn to dribble with your or you have to look up while you dribble. Right. Yeah. And so that was our look up piece. So uh, so snakes is so funny. Um, I I don't know. You know. I haven't traveled in um, in that part of the Mediterranean. Um, uh either in, in the area of the Jordan or, um, uh, North Africa or Egypt, you know, Alexandria, any of those areas. Yeah. But I, I, what I know from my childhood movies is that those regions of the world, uh, much yeah. like, um, much like California where I used to live is are is fraught with snakes and snakes are not mm. a good, good thing. Right. I mean, here in North Carolina, we know, we know, you know, we all know that the black snakes are good snakes because they keep away the copperheads or whatever it is, right? I mean, we, we know that. Yeah, they good. St- so apparently, there are good snakes and bad snakes. Um, as the Bible tells it, uh, the biblical authors seem to seize upon the image of a snake as, um, as well, a kind of a, a picture of evil itself, yeah. right? Yeah. And almost and instinctively as human beings, whether we're a, whether we grew up in a Christian culture or climate or not, we, we all kind of get it. There's a we all recoil in, in the presence mm-hmm. of a snake. And so, um, yeah, there's something really interesting going on there. Uh, of course, there's a snake in the Garden of Eden. Um, there's there uh, there's snakes. Uh, Moses has this hole shindig with snakes in pharaoh's court do you remember that story in that scene where he grabbed yeah Yeah. the staff turns into snakes yeah yeah i mean so clearly there's more to this whole snake thing than than we get with our western eyes and so i i think we gotta assume that there's a lot a rich cultural contextual meaning that we maybe only partially grasp yeah so and so little little tangent here but i'm there must be some sort of cultural thing too with, with devouring things. Cause don't the, so in that story of, of Moses and is it Aaron that throws his staff down and it turns into a snake and then Pharaoh's magicians turn 
into a snake, and then the snake that Moses or Aaron created devours the magician snake. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. His snake eats the other snakes. My snake can eat up your snakes kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, this doesn't this happen – remind me, uh, Aaron, doesn't this happen in Joseph's dreams too? Don't the fatted calves uh, devour oh. the the other calves? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Of Pharaoh? That's right. Boy, what a great grab, Nathan. You're, you're, yeah, those are some great connections. So, yeah, again, yeah. one of my favorite things about this series we're in, this whole story thing, because we're moving um, chronologically, ner- literarily from beginning to end, we're seeing all these connections that we might yes. have missed otherwise, right? I mean, it's yes. just so awesome. So, yeah, there, there's something, you know, I, I, I remember reading an article once that said, um, that turning a snake into a staff was sort of a common magic trick that the magicians in Pharaoh's court used to do. Right. And so it wasn't enough that Moses could do the same trick. All the magicians were like, yeah, we know how to do that trick. Right. That's the, the that's the disappearing thumb uncle, crazy uncle trick or whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, uh, but the fact that Moses won up to them by his snake eating theirs was sort of the shocker at that point. Yeah, and what's so fascinating, and we talked about this in Bible Journey as we've just kind of come through Exodus and Bible Journey, um, uh, the class that uh, some of us at Lake Forest are doing through the whole whole story series, um, is that through the plagues, through the plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians before, this is, of course, a little bit before where we were in this Moses story, but before they left Egypt, God was kind of systematically tearing down each of the bigger gods in, yeah. the, panthe- in the Egyptian pantheon. And so in that way, uh, you know, the snakes were kind of just one little part of, of Egypt's beliefs that they, he was just chipping away. But saying, uh, you know, these these parlor tricks that you kind of uh, believe you have power from or power to do because of your gods or whatever. Um, I can do that, too. And then some. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what he's doing here. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, you know, um, uh, our friend and colleague, Mike Moses, pastor at Lake Forest Church in Huntersville, he and I worked on this message together and uh, which is something I do every Easter with him. It's just a real joy and gift. And he was sharing with me something. He may have included this in his version of it. I didn't in in mine, but he was telling me that that the pharaohs used to wear um, a kind of head covering crown yeah. type thing yeah. where um, there was a, a snake on their crown in the front. Yeah. I can. Yeah. It. As a, yep. as again, a symbol of their power. So whew, you, uh, you mentioned the 10 commandments movie uh, on Sunday and I, I can see Yul Brenner wearing that headdress right now. He was the, the Ramsey uh, Pharaoh character in that movie. I can see that headdress. <laughs> that is right. Well, it, it, we sure did have fun. Uh, poking at Samuel L. Jackson with little snakes on a plane. That was, uh, <laughs> that's not, that's not actually in the Bible, but uh, nope, was, uh, nope. how often in a sermon do you get to mention snakes on a plane? So we had to grab it. Yeah. And perhaps another reference here on, tell us more to, uh, to sport, not spoiler, but to give you a little parental guidance. Hey, don't, don't go looking up that movie either. Cause the, the classic line from that movie has a lot of language in it too. <laughs> so we're yes. a lot of foul language here on television. There we more. go. There we are. We are not, we are not <laughs> condoning any of the movies mentioned in this. Yes, podcast. we cannot, we cannot, but uh, <laughs> the cultural grabs are helpful at sometimes to give context for where we are. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. But we have, well, we have know, two I... more scenes to get to. Two oh, more we got to get from... together. So get to the next one. Yeah. So, so clearly there was something provocative about one last comment on this so before yes. we move on yeah. let me do say 
I, this is probably the most fun I've had preaching Easter in years because, nice. because we were in this whole story series, we didn't, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we didn't want to just leapfrog to Jesus. We wanted to stay where we were at. And when it dawned on us that we, at this point in the year, we'd be preaching on Moses yeah. and that, it, and this connection to the next scene of Nicodemus I mean, as pastors, we almost fell out of our chairs. We were like, this is crazy cool. We're getting to preach out of numbers and John's gospel all on the same weekend of Easter. Let's go for it. Well, and how funny that there is an actual, and this is just God's hand, I think, in the planning of the series, like you're mentioning. Um, How funny that Jesus references this Moses story to Nicodemus, right? Yeah. Yep. And that is just it's just well, you said you, did you literally fall out of your chair? You said you almost fell out of your chair. I, you I probably this. did. Well, and, and and what's funny, you know, as as a pastor, you think you know the Bible so well. And of course, I've gone to grad school. I mean, all this stuff. I had never realized the the connection between John three fifteen, yeah, and John three sixteen, the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. they're side by side. And so I thought, holy cow. Um, so anyway, I just, uh, uh, you know, I thought, okay, this is amazing to me. And I tried to draw out a little bit of that in the message. I don't know if I, I made a big enough stink out of that. But um, to realize that John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? We, we know the, that verse, that the verse right before it is Jesus referencing this snake on a stick story was kind of mind blowing for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, what, so what is it about that story? You think to put yourself in Jesus's shoes, which we try to do as Christians, right? We're a little Christ. Yeah. Uh, what what about that pertinent to the, the situation of Nicodemus, the where he would he would need to to bring that metaphor back? Well, you know, to this is one of those times where if you've been trailing along with us in the series, I'm a, I'm gonna connect some dots that have been really meaningful to me. Yeah. Do so it. Um, if if y'all remember from two weeks ago, we were talking about Moses and the whole theme of that, um, that sermon was just like us, right? That Moses was the most revered person in all of the Hebrew Bible and, and still is. And so there was no one greater than Moses. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there's this foreshadowing at the end of Moses' life that God's going to need a new Moses if he's actually going to get the people into the promised land. And here's where we got a little bit of upper story, lower story. So bear with me. The lower story is, of course, the next leader, Joshua, is going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. But what we see in the Old Testament, we get this foreshadowing of, okay, but what about all of humanity? Who's going to lead them into the promised land? If Moses himself isn't righteous enough to do it, then there's got to be someone more righteous than Moses. So each of the New Testament gospel writers picks up this theme in their own way. Matthew breaks his gospel into five major sections, just like the five books of Moses. Mm. And in Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus standing up on the Mount of Transfiguration and Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets are there and they both bow down to Jesus. Okay. So Matthew's like, don't miss this. Jesus is greater than Moses. Yeah. Um, right. Then you have uh, Mark and, and you have this 
these power encounters. And for Mark, Jesus is more it, like is more powerful. Moses did all these wonders. Jesus does even greater wonders, right? So, yeah. But for John, John has this dialogue with Nicodemus, and what he draws out, he says, "Look, you're a, you're the teacher." Jesus says to Nicodemus, "You're the teacher of the law. You've studied Moses your whole life. Don't you know this?" And it's yeah. kind of this moment where Jesus is even a great, even greater teacher than Moses. Mm. Uh, and that's the whole point, I think, of that Nicodemus dialogue. Um, anyway, did, did all that track? That was quite a bit of nerdy. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's so fascinating. Well, just for com- completion's sake, what would you say Luke's framework, a reference to Moses would be? Because we mentioned the other three. What's the fourth gospel? Uh, let's, let's come. Gosh, that's the, so the set. Great. What do you think? What are the, what are the Moses connections that Luke highlights? Uh, I'd have to go back. I, I can't pull off the top of my head what's unique about Moses and his. You know, Luke and Matthew both, you know, of course, um, Jesus goes up on the mount and he teaches the Sermon on the Mount, which, of course, is another connection to Moses who yeah, went up on the yeah. mountain and came down with the law. Right. So That's we see right. that. Um, uh, gosh, Luke, maybe oh, this would be interesting, Nathan. I'll have to go and do a little more study here. Okay. It might be that in Luke's gospel. It's in Luke where we get a big deal about Jesus being baptized, right? In mm. in the Jordan by John yeah. the Baptist. Yeah. So I'm one there. Anytime there's Jordan connection, we got to go all the way back to Joshua and Moses and say, "All right, here's yes. the Jordan. What's happening?" So I'm gonna have to go back and look at that one. I I'm, I wonder in what way Luke would say Jesus is a greater is even greater than Moses. Well, that's so fascinating too. I'm reminded of that story and, I, and I'm thinking of the story of Moses when he came down from the mountain and then the Lord's glory had shown upon his face. Yes. So he, the spirit of God was evident on him much the way the dove came down to Christ. Ooh, ooh, yes. Oh, I think we found there it. We <laughs> I think you just found it. I think you just found it. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. The Bible is so cool. Y'all the Bible yeah. is so cool. <laughs> and a few of our listeners right now are going, tell us less, tell us less. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so, so well, that, let's second scene, yeah, yeah, that second scene, uh, of course we called it Nick at night. And I, um, yeah, I just, I want my only other comment on that. that I think is really cool. And is, and this, this has become the backbone of my faith. I mean, I can't even tell you the longer I journey with Jesus. Um, yes, I get answers to old questions, but my list of questions is longer today than it was when I first began my life of faith. Yeah. And uh, that does yeah. not that does not weaken my faith. That actually only um, deepens my sense of awe and wonder. And yeah. folks who who've listened to me preach know this. One of the things I love to read is um, cosmology, history of the universe stuff, yeah. quantum physics stuff. Anytime there's that kind of that stuff blows my mind. And I heard on the radio just this week they found some brand new subatomic particle that's called like a mermian or something. I, mean, it's I just think I saw thing. that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw something about this and, and they don't know why it exists. And there's this, and there's it anyway, I just love that kind of stuff. Right. Cause it, it yeah. reminds us of just how great and awesome and wonderful and mysterious God really is. And, and yeah. so I love that Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus shows Jesus loves our questions. And, and I think that was what I was really trying to highlight in that scene. Yeah. And what an amazing detail that I hadn't quite caught before that Nicodemus and Joseph of the Amarthia are the two people that ask for his body. Right. And then go b- give him a proper burial. 
What yeah. a beautiful end to Nicodemus's story. Yes. Uh, oh, how amazing that he honored Christ's body in that way after having a, a tough conversation with him. How cool. Well, and and so you know we don't get this in the in the gospels, but a lot of the early Christians were Pharisees. Yeah. Who who had yeah. come to put their faith and trust in Jesus, just like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. They're both Pharisees. And um, you know, the early church had a lot of Pharisees in in it. And yeah. uh there's all kinds of preaching fodder right there, right? Um, you know, yeah. we all have a little bit of Pharisee in us sometimes too, yeah. that God we kind of have to unlearn if we're gonna yeah. really learn to follow Jesus. Well, and that that kind of leads to our third scene, which I love that you called um out that there were the honor and the faith of the women in Jesus's life. Cause this third scene is, is the tomb, right? And women yeah. probably weren't Pharisees, right? Yep. They probably weren't allowed to be. And yet they were some of the most faithful to go and check on, on Christ that, that first Easter morning. Right. And yeah. Cool that they actually had the, had the thought to, to look for Jesus, like to go back and, and to look for him. Right. That was kind of that last scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Look, let's let's be honest. Uh, if it were not for the women, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, the I, I don't know. I, it, there's um, you know, there's a lot of um, bad history in the church, uh, and, and especially in the West. But a lot of bad history on how the church has viewed women, and mm -hmm. clearly, 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 uh, that's not the story we see in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the women were it, taking the lead at, at this time. Uh, they were the most courageous. And um, that, that continues through the early church. Uh, women play an essential role in the mission of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of my favorite things about the, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, that they're peppered through there. There's some women in Jesus's genealogy, and I think that's so powerful, right? That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, might not have been pretty common. Probably wasn't that common back back in then, <laughs> you know, uh, to honor the women that they're kind of part of that story or that lineage. Yeah, I think that's right. I you know, I think the the church got off to a pretty good start when it came to to the the significance of women as um, as leaders in the church. I uh, it, it got a little bit messy culturally when you they were trying to figure out how do we do the Jew and Gentile piece here. And then yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the challenges was that a lot of um, the, the Greco Roman views of women then got imported into the church. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, so I think it's good to call back to see how Jesus elevated. you yeah. know, every, every woman Jesus interacted with, he, he elevated. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so true. I'm thinking about the woman at the well, uh, thinking about, um, where he washed Jesus' feet, you know, every, yep. yeah, you're right. Every woman, uh, what, a, what an example, uh, in Jesus and in some ways that we don't even think about, right. You don't think about, well, how should I treat the opposite sex? It's like, well, Jesus has a lot of things to say about that too. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I, and that was something that I wanted to highlight cause it's so clear right there. Right. Yeah. The, the, the first appearances were to the women mm. uh, in a way that's, I think Jesus honoring, their faithfulness in a way that the culture at the time did not know how to honor. I think that's right. How powerful. Well, Aaron, how, how exciting to continue to celebrate Easter with you in this conversation as we come off of an awesome Easter weekend for our church. 
there's a lot of things to look forward to in the life of our church. And we both said, just on a personal note, just how we'll, we'll celebrate this Easter weekend uh, for years to come as just a really exciting yeah. special thing. We try to celebrate Easter. It's a big moment in our faith every year. Um, but for the life of our church, this past Easter, I think, will be a really special one. And I've enjoyed this conversation so much as we revisit it and uh, continue to celebrate the resurrection and what that means for us. It's been awesome. Yeah, well, me too, Nathan. Thanks thanks for uh, walking us through it today. It was good to re- rehash it myself. And, and boy, to any of our listeners who did not get to uh, enjoy Easter, there's some really beautiful moments in the service uh, yeah, Nate, yeah. uh, you have, you have quite the awesome, talk about cultural grabs. You have quite the awesome Cat Stevens opener, yep, um, we did that. That was fun. with, with, with a little hallelujah, um, melody you tacked on that actually got stuck in my head for the next couple days. Cool. Uh, I, I could sing thing. it right. I could sing it right now. It's still there, but nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> sing, sing us sing, less, sing, sing us, us less. less. <laughs> but, but it's, uh, but to our, our listeners, it's well worth going back and, and enjoying the, not just the message, but the whole service was just beautiful. So if you haven't had a chance, go check it out. Yes, absolutely. And the whole service is wonderful. The team did an amazing job. Sermon's great, as you uh, can tell from our uh, just enthusiastic conversation today and just a fun, fun, fun weekend all around. But uh, so moving forward, Aaron, this might be one of the last few shows you're on until we don't hear from you on Tell Us More for a few months. Uh, uh, One of the blessings of Lake Forest and our denomination in general is just the gift of a sabbatical. Aaron is about to go on sabbatical. Um, We're excited about all the guest preachers we'll get to hear. Uh, it'll be really interesting shows, I'm sure, all summer, but we'll certainly miss these conversations and wish you the, the best time uh, on that. Well, I, I, right? I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I actually think our podcast uh, our pad- podcast is going to get only better because, man, some of the folks we have coming in. Oh, man. Uh, it's going to be, be awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm up one more time. Yep, uh, one we're more back, time. We're, we're back at the Jordan River this Sunday with Joshua. With so um, Joshua, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll continue the whole story and, and uh, hopefully have a chance to podcast it up next week. Yep. So, friends, stay tuned. That is all the time we have for this week's episode of Tell Us More. I want to thank Aaron for being here, taking this time to discuss this sort of join us next time, friends, when we ask those speaking to us to tell us more. Goodbye. Goodbye.